0: Yesterday, Pope Francis says the commandments are not absolute. In philosophy, we use the terms absolute and relative. This also comes into theology. Absolute is something that is standard, unmovable, unshakable. Relative means that it's in relation, it stands in relation to something else. So, are the Ten Commandments absolute or are they relative? If you took a went to a secular college and you took a philosophy 101 course, you probably learned that morality is not absolute. It's not black and white. It's relative. It is all shades of gray. So in your philosophy course at a secular university, you would hear you can't say something like abortion is wrong or another culture is wrong. It's all relative to experience. So why is it that Francis is saying this about the commandments? Well, it relates to Jesuit. Let me clarify that. Modernist Jesuit theology in error coming from Karl Rahner, the Jesuit. You've heard me talk about Karl Rahner in the context of Bishop Barron and certain errors uh, regarding anonymous Christianity, uh, the dare we hope for all men to be saved theology. Well, it also comes into this doctrine of salvation. It echoes Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, you are justified, declared, which is not actually a good translation, declared righteous by faith in Jesus and works do not matter. And Karl Rahner and many False theologians after Vatican II, during and v- after Vatican II, believe in what's called fundamental option theology. That is, every human person in their core has a fundamental option for God or against God. And if you in your core have had your fundamental option for God, it doesn't matter what you do, you will go to heaven because of that fundamental option, that switch in your heart that you've turned on for God. I remember meeting a Catholic priest. We're going to pray in just a moment. A Catholic priest who believed in this fundamental theology, and he told me to my face, a Catholic priest, that if he died on a prostitute, I'm sorry to be graphic, but this is his words, he would go to heaven because his fundamental option was for God. These are the dangers of this modernist theology when it's taken to its logical conclusions as the Jesuits have done with the fundamental option. I'm going to run the video, but ultimately as you listen to the video of Pope Francis talking about commandments as not absolute, you're going to also hear the theology of Martin Luther. I'm going to read just a couple passages from Martin Luther. Put them on the screen here. By the way, here's a picture of Pope Francis at the Vatican with a statue of Martin Luther. Right there. Martin Luther said, it's on the screen. You can follow it right here. Be a sinner and sin boldly. The Latin, esto peccator et pecca fortitur. Be a sinner and sin boldly. Why? Because you have faith in Jesus. Your fundamental option is for Jesus. So what you do doesn't matter. That's the heresy of Martin Luther. Martin Luther also said, this is the second quote right here. If Moses should attempt to intimidate you with his stupid Ten Commandments, tell him right out, chase yourself to the Jews, to the gallows with Moses, end quote. That's Martin Luther. And yet, Pope Francis is going to issue, already has issued, a stamp. Look at the stamp on the screen. It's a crucifix. On your left is Martin Luther kneeling, and on your right is Philip Melanchthon, who was the right-hand assistant of Luther. Pope Francis issued a stamp with Martin Luther on it, and also, as you see on the screen, a statue of Martin Luther in the Vatican. This means Francis likes Luther. You might say, well, yeah, but Taylor, uh, Pope Francis is a Catholic pope, so... He can't be a Lutheran. I took a comparative religion course and Lutherans aren't Catholic. Yeah, I know that. I know a pope shouldn't be Lutheran. But look at what the man says and look at what the man decorates with. Statues of Luther and makes a stamp of Luther. Luther also said, over here on my left, quote, God only obliges you to believe and to confess. Now, I'm giving you this quote because this is what echoes what Francis is about to say. In the video clip I'm going to show you, he says, quote, God only obliges you to believe and to confess in all other things. He leaves you free, Lord and master, to do whatever you will without any danger to your conscience. Let me pause here. Does this sound kind of like Francis? Yeah. Believe in Jesus, believe in God or believe in Abrahamic idea of God. And then basically don't do any danger to your conscience. Not the don't follow the commandments, follow your conscience. Luther says, On the contrary, it is certain that as far as he is concerned, it makes no difference whether you leave your wife, flee from your Lord, or are, or are unfaithful to every obligation. What is it to him if you do or do not do such things? End quote. Martin Luther. Martin Luther says you can leave your wife, leave your Lord, Abandon your obligations. Why would God even care? You believe in Jesus. According to Martin Luther, you're all good. Commandments do not matter for Martin Luther. All right, let's run the clip here of Pope Francis. Are you ready? I'm going to switch over, switch screens. Hopefully it all works. Yes. Worked. Here we go. Come vivo io? Nella paura de. Se non faccio questo andrò all'inferno, questo o vivo anche con quella speranza, con quella gioia della gratuità della salvezza in Gesù Cristo? È una bella domanda. E anche la seconda, disprezzo i comandamenti? No, li osservo, ma non come assoluti, perché so che quello che mi giustifica è Gesù Cristo. Grazie. Okay, so if you know Spanish, you probably can make out some of this Italian here. But he says, do I observe them? Yes, but not as absolutes. And the reason he gives is right here. Hopefully this highlight here shows up on your side of the screen. But not as absolutes. Why, according to Francis? Because I know that what justifies me is Jesus Christ. So there is this dichotomy. Between justified in Jesus Christ and the commandments not being absolute. And yet, what do we see in sacred scripture? I'm gonna put some more, lots of stuff on the screen here, but right here, right over my shoulder, John 14, 15, our Lord Jesus Christ says, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's absolute, it's not relative. John 15.10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, as I also have kept my Father's commandments and do abide in his love. This is basic Christian teaching, and it's in full contradiction to the teaching, the heresy of Martin Luther. All right, let's begin with a prayer, and we'll get more into this Lutheran heresy with quotes from Martin Luther, etc., and also quotes from Pope Francis, stating explicitly in 2016 that Martin Luther was right. How can he be right if he was condemned? Oremus, Let us pray. We'll pray thee, Our Father, together. Oremos. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Patron noster, qui es in ceili sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secutin cello et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie. Et emite nobis debita nostra, sic et nos dimittimus debitoribus nostris, et ne and ducas and tentationem, se libera nos somalo. Amen. And nomine patri et fidi et spiritu sancti. Amen. All right, Martin Luther, as you know, he's an Augustinian monk, 1500s. He struggled. He could go to confession, they say, once, twice a day, because he believed God could never really forgive him for all of his sins. Luther also, in his own words, talks about his insatiable lust for women. He was a womanizer. There's pretty good evidence um, that he had perhaps—I've seen this. It's debated by historians that he did have a child uh, out of wedlock before entering the Augustinians. Of course, he did have children after he started the Reformation and and left the priesthood and all that. But he was a lustful man. He was a sensual man. There's a lot of theories on why he entered into the Augustinian order. But ultimately, his conscience was plagued. The idea of celibacy, repentance, good works, pilgrimages, vows, all these things that are integral to Catholicism he said, made him hate God. He felt like a slave that was bound by all these rules. And one day in the tower, he had the tower experience, where he realized, according to him, Luther said he was justified by faith alone. And for Luther, justify is not like in the Greek, the deka, the, the verb there, which is to make righteous. For Luther, it was declaring that he was righteous, even though he was a sinner. This is an important distinction between Lutheranism and Calvinism. I mean, sorry, Lutheranism and Catholicism. Calvinism has a similar understanding of justification and a little bit different view of sanctification. Luther believed that human sinners, he uses this language. Um, If you want to get really deep into this, and into the Greek, and into the Latin, and understanding what's going on in sacred scripture, I really encourage you to check out this book by me. It's a good book. I'm not just saying it because I wrote it. It's called The Catholic Perspective on Paul. It goes through all of Paul's epistles, and it shows how all the Catholic dogmas and doctrines and traditions are in Paul. The seven sacraments, even Marian devotion, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, All of that is in the book. In the book on page 55, I document Luther's visual for human salvation. And Luther sees you and me as turds. Poo-poo. Manure. And he says, quote, I said before that our righteousness is dung in the sight of God. Now if God chooses to adorn dung, he can therefore do it. End quote. So, Luther says that you're a turd because of your sins, and again, I'm not making this up, he says it, and what God does is he brings in snow or adornment, decorations, and covers over the poo-poo, over the turd. You're still a turd, but you're just covered over with snow or adorned with some jewelry. And what's going on there is God takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he covers you, the turd, over with it. So when he looks down at you, he doesn't see a turd. He sees snow or some jewelry, some adornment. That is how Martin Luther understands salvation. Righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed. It is imputed or it is reckoned as as if it were put into a spreadsheet somewhere. You don't actually become holy. Now, the Catholic view is obviously different than that of Martin Luther. We believe that Christ died on the cross to forgive our sins, not to cover over a turd with some snow. That's not the Catholic view. If you wanted to use the analogy of Luther, which I don't recommend, but just to kind of keep things going here, the Catholic would say, we are ugly, we are sinful, we are guilty of sins, and what God does is he doesn't just put snow over us or cover us with jewels. Instead, he transforms what is ugly and base into gold. It actually transforms. Transubstantiate, probably too hard, but, uh, too strong of a word because we still re- remain human in our substance. But we are transformed into saints. That's why we even have purgatory. If you die and you're not yet fully transformed and conformed to Christ, in the afterlife, God continues to transform you and make you not just covered with snow or covered with jewels, you actually become precious all the way through. So Catholicism has a transformational understanding of justification. We're not just declared righteous, we become actually righteous. And how does that happen? It happens by the infusion of grace— which happens with faith. If you're an infant, that faith, that hope, that charity is infused, not imputed, infused into you through the sacrament of faith, which we call baptism. And through the rest of your life, by faith, hope, and charity, and obedience to Christ, you become gradually, it's not instantaneous, and it's not once saved, always saved, you gradually become, by God's grace and love, actually holy, actually beautiful, actually pure. That's the Catholic doctrine. This is one reason when I was a Protestant and I began to read Luther and see what he said and then read the mystics of the Catholic Church and what they said about salvation, the Catholic view view is beautiful. I actually want to become like Christ. I actually want to become a saint. I don't want to be a turd with snow on top of it. That doesn't seem like what the scriptures teach, but that is what Luther taught. Another thing Luther did is in Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three. This is also in my book, page fifty-four, Catholic perspective on Paul. He added the word "alone" to Romans three twenty-three. Justification by faith alone. Martin Luther taught that you were saved not by obeying the commandments. Those are relative. They're not absolute, as we just heard Francis say. You are justified by faith alone. Fundamental option. Go into your heart, turn on the switch for Jesus, and then whatever else you do doesn't matter, according to Martin Luther. As he said, be a sinner and sin boldly. End quote. That's Martin Luther. As he said, you can see the the quote on the screen again. It makes no difference whether you leave your wife, flee from your Lord, or unfaithful to every obligation. What is it to God if you do or do not do such things? This is Martin Luther. This is how he understands justification. So how can it be that the Pope in Rome says that he doesn't follow the commandments as absolutes and then he gives the reason why. He says, because I know that what justifies me is Jesus Christ. Well, what does the Bible say about the commandments? First John, I knew First John talked about this, but when I did the word search, I couldn't believe that there were six verses on this topic. Here they go. Ready? First John 2, 3. And by this we know that we have known him if we keep his commandments, end quote. First John two four. He who says that he knoweth him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I mean this just blows Martin Luther out of the water. First John three twenty-two. And whatsoever we shall ask, we shall receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight, end quote. Notice that St. John doesn't say because we have faith alone or because we have the fundamental option of Karl Rahner flipped on in our heart. It's faith and works. The Council of Trent said we are justified by faith and works. As James says, faith without works is dead, it does not save you, it's worthless. Faith and works are a synergy that makes you into a saint. 1 John 3:24, And he that keepeth his commandments abideth in him, and he in him. And in this we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. 1 John 5, 2. In this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the charity of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not heavy. End quote. The commandments of God are not heavy, folks. It's right there in the Bible. If you think the commandments of God are heavy, you're against the Bible. Jesus says, "Come unto me, all ye that are uh, that labor and travail, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light." Says Jesus Christ. Why? Because he comes within us, on the inside, in our souls, and helps us carry the cross. And helps us to obey by grace. If you say, yeah, Taylor, I don't experience that. You must seek the sacraments. You must pray every day. You must fast at least every week. That's why Catholics have historically fasted and abstained on Fridays. Also Wednesdays and Fridays, traditionally. We must keep the commandments. We must strive. We must have faith and works. So when Luther tells the poor people of Germany, hey, come read the Bible. Romans 3.28 says you're justified by faith alone. And then the Catholics say, yeah, but Luther, you added the word alone. Luther's like, that's what it means anyway. No, Luther, you can't add to the Bible. You can't take your false theology and rewrite Romans to say what you want it to say about the commandments. Now, what bothers me is that Pope Francis, I'm going to take this book down. Everybody, you should read this book, Catholic Perspective on Paul. If you want a signed copy of it, you can get that at patreon.com forward slash Marshall. There's a level there where I send out, I think, almost all my books signed, you can do that at patreon.com and also support this podcast. Thank you very much to everyone who already is a patron and supports with general uh, generous patronage. What we see with, with Francis is a love for Martin Luther. I mean, here's a picture of Francis with the statue of Luther. And I don't know, it almost to me looks like a chocolate Martin Luther. Like, you know, those chocolate Easter bunnies. But the color's a little red. I don't know why he's like a, a dark maroon crayon color. But there's Luther. He's got a yellow scarf around his neck. And he's being honored. I believe this was in 2017, the anniversary of the Reformation. Instead of saying, thank God we had the Council of Trent and we got rid of the errors and heresies of Martin Luther. No, they're celebrating him by erecting a statue. Check this out. Here's Francis right here just chilling with the Lutheran bishops who aren't even real bishops, they're invalid bishops. Uh look second from the right, there's a female "quote unquote" bishop, bishop at Uh he's in there everybody's vested the same. This right here is indifferentism. It's a sin. You cannot allow people of invalid priesthood who also subscribe to the heresies of Martin Luther to come up stand and stand side by side with the pope and basically wear the same thing this is completely unacceptable but francis is down with it francis likes this i showed you already for those of you coming in late here is the stamp that martin luther i mean that francis published. It's a Vatican City stamp. It has Christ our Lord, and then it has the blasphemous heretic Martin Luther on the left kneeling. And it has Philip Melanchthon, who is the assistant of Martin Luther on the right. And you can see that it's dated here 2017, 500 year anniversary of the Reformation. You can see at the very top, there's the Roman numeral five, and then there's Centen- Centenario della Riforma. It's a difficult thought. Protestante. There it is. My botched text is Italian. The fifth uh, century of the Reformation Protestant, Protestant Reformation. Wow. Why is the Catholic Church issuing stamps? celebrating the heresies of Martin Luther, who said over here, if Moses should attempt to intimidate you with his stupid Ten Commandments, tell him right out, chase yourself to the Jews, to the gallows of Moses. This is the guy that we want to honor? Pope Francis wants to honor Martin Luther? Hard pass, no thanks, H to the no. To the na-na-na. No. Now, now, You may think, well, yeah, but Taylor, you're kind of making a big deal about this. No, it is a big deal. Listen to this quote from Pope Francis. This was 2016, so it's before the stamp. Pope Francis says this in an interview in 2016. Quote, I think that the intentions of Martin Luther were not mistaken. He was a reformer. Perhaps some methods were not correct. But in that time, if we read the story of the pastor, a German Lutheran who then converted when he saw reality, he became Catholic. In that time, the church was not exactly a model to imitate. There was corruption in the church. There was worldliness, attachment to money, to power. and this, he protested. Then, he was intelligent and took some steps toward justifying. And because he did this, and today... Lutherans and Catholics and Protestants, all of us agree on the doctrine of justification. On this point, which is very important, he did not err. He made medicine for the church. End quote. This is heretical. I'm going to put it on the screen. I know y'all love it when I put it on the screen. Here we go. Unbelievable that Pope Francis said this. Let me adjust it. Here we go. Pope Francis says, and today Lutherans and Catholics and Protestants, all of us agree on the doctrine of justification. On this point, which is very important, he did not err. Francis is saying Luther did not err. He's saying Luther, when he said you're a turd covered with snow, he he didn't make a mistake. Are you kidding me? How can Francis be the Pope and say such a thing? How can Francis be the vicar of Christ and say such a horrible thing? And then he raises it even more, and he says he made a medicine for the church. Luther did. Luther, the heretic, who married and copulated with a nun, who said all kinds of vile things throughout his life, who said, be a sinner and sin boldly. Does that sound like the teachings of Jesus Christ or St. Paul or St. James or St. Peter? No, it is vile and it is heretical. And we had an ecumenical council called the Council of Trent. Everybody and their brother today wants to come after trads, traditional Catholics and say, yeah, but do you accept Nostra Aetate paragraph, whatever of Vatican II or Eucharistic? Meanwhile, Francis is saying that Luther did not err in his doctrine of justification. When we have canon after canon in the sessions of the Council of Trent condemning exact verbiage of Martin Luther on faith alone and justification and imputation, precise, not ambiguous stuff like in Vatican II. I'm talking about. If anyone says a man is justified by faith alone, let him be anathema. Council of Trent. Pope Francis, by saying this in 2016, is repudiating the Council of Trent. So don't be coming and chasing after all the traditional Catholics over paragraphs such and such in Vatican II when we've got a man who claims to be the Pope on the throne of Peter saying Martin Luther did not make a mistake. He did not err, and he made medicine for the church. Direct quote, uh, Pope Francis. And then yesterday, we've got him saying that he doesn't keep the commandments as absolute. This is Francis. Because he's justified by Jesus Christ. When we just read six verses from 1 John and two verses from the Gospel of John, talking about how the commandments are absolutely necessary for love of God and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, someone in the live chat before I went live was like, yeah, but uh, Francis is just speaking uh, colloquially. He's just kind of speaking informally. Look, when you're the Pope and you're giving audiences, you don't get the luxury of just sort of throwing stuff out or as we say in Texas, shooting from the hip. You don't get to shoot from the hip when you're the Pope and you're out there teaching millions of people and there's a video camera on you. You can't just say, well, I'll just kind of, you know, speaking colloquially, informally. No, he is talking about theological principles and making theological distinctions. And I guarantee you, there are thousands of people who heard what Francis said yesterday, and they're like, well, yeah, the commandments are not absolute. If I love my boyfriend, we can move into to, with each other and sleep with each other because love is love. Or, well, we should, you know, allow for abortions because, you know, she really wants to go to college and she has this calling for this career. So, you know, that commandment against abortion is not absolute. There's some relative elements here for her greater good. Plus, she has fundamental option and love for God anyway, so it's not really going to damn her. This is the way these crazy people think who have SJ behind their name and teach at these liberal Jesuit colleges. And Francis is a Jesuit. I was talking to Joy, my wife there, and I was like, you know, Francis just learned. Has he ever actually been around traditional Catholicism or as a child in Argentina, all the way up through his Jesuit training, has he always just been given Carl Rahner junk his whole life? I don't know. I don't know. As you can tell, I'm kind of worked up, but there is this fascination appreciation to make Martin Luther acceptable for Catholics in 2021. And it goes back to Carl Rahner, Balthazar, all these Nouvelle Taylor guys who thought it was super cool to read Protestants like Carl Bart. Tillich. Ooh, it's so cool. We're reading the Protestants. Wow, they got good points. Let's go with that. You remember the video that I did on um Bishop Barron and the univer and the um oh what was it? Bishop Barron and when he said that people are saved by the lesser lights in other religions. I went through the four-stage modernist argument. I stage one is this: all religions have elements of truth in them. For example, the Quran says that Jesus is the Messiah, and that's actually true. The Quran says that. And it actually checks out, yes, it is true. Right? Or The Romans said that Jupiter, the highest God, controlled the weather. And, you know, Jews also believe that God controls the weather. So there's like, there's some truth there. Or Pachamama, Mother Earth symbolizes life and love and fertility and childbearing. And Catholics like life, love, fertility and childbearing. So that's good, too. Okay, so that's what they do first. They kind of get you nodding. And then they say stage two. Jesus is the truth. So anytime anyone in another religion is accepting something that's true in their religion, they are accepting and worshiping and having faith in Jesus. Now that's where you go, oh, hold up, hold up. This is what I call the Carl Rahner jump. Carl Rahner, by the way, is, do I got a picture of him? Here he is. He's like having a cold brew or something right here. That's Karl Rahner. Karl Rahner wants you to make this jump where he's like, well, so the Quran says Jesus is the Messiah, and that's true. So anytime a Muslim believes that truth and Jesus is the truth, they are therefore believing in Jesus, and they're going to go to heaven. That's Vatican II religion for you in a nutshell. So then in stage three, the modernists say, okay, well, let's tell other religions You're okay. You don't need to convert to Jesus Christ. You don't need to become a Catholic. Just follow your own religion and the truths in your own religion and those truths, which are lesser lights, which are reflections of Jesus Christ. That will be Jesus in that religion saving you. This is sort of your basic diocesan Novus Ordo, Bishop Barron level that, hey, Christ is the privileged way. It's the best way, but there's other ways in other religions. And we just encourage Ben Shapiro, who's Jewish, to just follow the truth in his Judaism. And by doing that, he's going to make it to heaven. It'd be better if he took the privileged way and did first class and became a Catholic, but he can write in coach or business class. Maybe Bishop Barron gives... Jewish people, business class, he can be in business class and they can still take the airplane to heaven. Now, stage four is where you take it one step further and you say Catholics should celebrate, revere, promote all the means of graces in other religions. So this is where you see John Paul II kissing the Quran. This is where you see um, a statue of the Buddha put on a tabernacle in a Assisi. This is where you see Pope Francis bring in Pachamamas into the Vatican in front of the altar of St. Peter's tomb. Idols in the church. This is where you see um, bishops allowing Protestants and Muslims and other religions to have religious services in consecrated Catholic churches. That's stage four modernism. And, and Francis, is he's down with that. He likes that. Now, as I was prepping, there's so much stuff on the screen. My goodness, it looks like a pop-up. I'm gonna take some of this down. As I was prepping some of this stuff, I remembered Bishop Barron. And thank you everybody for the likes. Uh, please, if you like this video, hit the thumbs up and hit the bell. That's or hit subscribe and then hit the bell. The bell is the notification. Also, if you want to listen to these, you can listen to them on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. So please like and subscribe. I was remembering that Bishop Barron had a video on Luther. So I went back and watched it, because I "I wonder how Barron shakes out on on what what Francis is saying. Because more and more I've noticed that Barron echoes Francis. Now, this is actually an old clip. This is from 2017 of Bishop Barron, but I want to share just a little bit of it for you. And here it goes. Can we look at Luther's great statement, the solas of the Reformation, and say, yeah, good right in the measure that it expresses this experience of grace and at the same time can we look at the council of trent which offers a sharp theological correction i would say of luther's language trent that looks now at the relationship between faith and works between grace and and um, our effort etc etc in a much so i'm gonna pause here uh, bishop baron's saying look okay so can we look at luther who's saying uh, faith alone no works you can leave your wife martin luther says you can leave your wife and go to heaven all right can we?" Barron's saying, can we, can we down with that? Can we be down with Martin Luther and his faith alone, scripture alone, all that? And then can we also, as Catholics, also like the Council of Trent and say that the Council of Trent was legit? That's what Bishop Barron is asking us. And here's what Bishop Barron says. And can we say, yeah, that's right. And I just wonder, I'm just kind of speculating here, is whether saying yes to both those things might actually represent a step forward in the ecumenical conversation. (laughs) What? So Barron's saying, uh, we, we should say yes to Luther and yes to the Council of Trent. And that's true. And it gives us an extra step in the ecumenical conversation. Whatever. I've got no... I used to be a Anglican priest, a Protestant minister. I've got zero interest and zero time for that. To somehow with all these ambiguities come along and say Martin Luther with his snow covered turd analogy and that we can leave our wives and not fulfill any obligations. And we can tell what's the quote here. We can tell the 10, the stupid 10 commandments. That's what, that's what he calls them. He says, the stupid 10 commandments, we can take Martin Luther. It says Bishop Baron and apparently Pope Francis. And we can also take the Council of Trent and somehow they're both going to be true. And it's going to help us in an ecumenical dialogue. Why do we even care about ecumenical dialogue, by the way? I used to be on the other side of the fence. I wore a collar. People called me Father Marshall. Visited hospitals. I preached sermons. And I'll tell you, Protestants, for the most part, think ecumenical dialogue, at least serious Protestants, think ecumenical dialogue is dumb. Go to a evangelical or a Southern Baptist preacher in Waco, Texas, and ask him if he wants to sit down and have coffee with James Martin, the Jesuit, and have ecumenical conversations. And he's going to say, H to the no, to the na-na-na. He doesn't want to sit down with James Martin and talk about um things that are similar and dis- and dissimilar in their religious traditions he has he has a very strong opinion about what James Martin represents and dialogue isn't an interesting. I just I've I read the uh, biography of Pope Pius V. Pope Pius V didn't didn't care about dialogue either with Protestants, with Lutherans, with Huguenots, with uh, the Turks, with the Muslims the Mohammedans, he basically said, when it comes to the Mohammedans, we should, we should try to convert them, but with missionaries. And if they are resisting and taking our people captive and taking our lands, we should go out and, and try to kill them. That's Pius V. And then when it comes to Protestants, he had a very clear policy. He says, you cannot, anyone who's baptized, you cannot hurt them, kill them, bother them, unless they are first given a trial. And before they got a trial, Pius V had preachers and theologians meet with these people to teach them and to correct them. So, if you were a suspected heretic, you had your meeting with a Dominican priest who said, yeah, you're not really on point here with transubstantiation. I think you misunderstand this. Oh, you think that? Well, that's not what we really mean. Okay, well, you still don't agree? Okay, well, now we're going to go to a trial. And they would go to a trial. And after being instructed and being exhorted and going through a trial and actually being convicted of teaching, not just holding, but teaching heresy, then they would be killed. They would be killed in conformity with the death penalty because they are spreading disease in society. They they believe that the real virus was heresy in the 1500s. That's how it went down. So in our time, we got Pope Francis, we got Bishop Barron, we got all these bishops, all these seminaries, teaching your future priest, your kids, your college kids at Jesuit schools, us. Martin Luther's dope. Martin Luther's cool. Let's put a statue of Martin Luther in the Vatican. Let's issue a stamp from Vatican City with Martin Luther on it. And let's say something so crazy, as Pope Francis said, that today, Lutherans and Catholics, all of us agree on the doctrine of justification. Wow, Pope Francis, I sure wish you had been around in the 1500s to convince all the Lutherans and all the Calvinists and then all the Catholics that in reality, we all re- we all agreed on justification. Because no one back then actually believed that we all held the same doctrine of justification. There was schism and there was war and families were torn apart. There were martyrs. Think of all the holy Jesuit martyr priests who went into England under Queen Elizabeth, to provide the true mass and to provide the true faith. And Francis has the audacity to say, on this point, which is very important, Luther did not err. He made a medicine for the church. Martin Luther, here's the quote, Martin Luther did not make medicine for the church. Martin Luther made poison. Martin Luther brought poison and death to Christendom. He fractured it and divided it and sawed it into thousands of pieces. All these different denominations, different heresies. That's what Martin Luther did. He did err. He did teach heresy, and he was not medicine for the church. And if Francis thinks that Luther is medicine for church, Francis is wrong. Canon 212, as a layman, I have a right to bring these matters before the church. I just don't see how anyone who is a baptized Catholic, who believes the Council of Trent and the Canons of Trent and the Catechism of Trent, Catechism here, it's downstairs. Oh, no, here it is. I don't see how anyone who has read this book and then reads the quotes of Luther, can say that Luther did not err, that we all agree that Luther made medicine, or to do what Bishop Barron said and say, yeah, some, you know, we can take the, the extravagant, prophetic, mystical, um over-the-top statements of Luther, and we can take the measured theological precision of Trent and they're both true. No, no, that's not Catholicism. And you don't have to have a miter on your head or a collar around your neck to see that, to realize that people are waking up. You put a Pachamama idol in a church. Catholics say that's wrong. Don't do that. You know, there was a bishop the other day. He got uh, early retired because he was doing bad stuff on a Zoom call. You can't do that. Can't embezzle money. You can't take the Peter Pence money and buy luxury condo in London or take the Peter Pence money and fund Rocket Man. Rocket Man! Bio documentary on Elton John. Can't do that. But let me tell you something. If you're Lutheran, you can do it. If you're Lutheran, you can do this right here. This quote on my left shoulder. God only obliges you to believe and to confess. If you believe that, well, I believe in Jesus. I confess Jesus. So if I want to, you know, have grinder app on my phone, or I want to embezzle money, or if I want to leave my wife or whatever, I can do all of that. Because Luther wasn't wrong, and Luther said that. Luther says, "Quote: It makes no difference whether you leave your wife, flee from your Lord, or are unfaithful to every obligation. What is it to him, to God, if you do or do not do such things? That's Lutheranism. I think if I got a letter in the mail and it had the Vatican stamp. If it had this Vatican stamp on it, I think I'd just throw it in the trash. Just wouldn't even open it. Get that Lutheran nonsense out of my face. Or if I went to like a Wednesday audience or a Sunday audience and they pulled this out. They had uh, the Luther chocolate statue. I'd say H to the no. I'm not doing that. All right, well, let's pray a Hail Mary. Got to pray a Hail Mary for the Vatican. It's a it's a mess. It's total mess over there, folks. I don't like being right on this. Two years ago, my book Infiltration came out. Everyone said I was totally crazy. And the Vatican wasn't really that bad. It wasn't infiltrated. There was just misunderstandings. Yeah, it's not the case. There's actually Cardinal Betch who's under actual trial and investigation. Cardinal Pell went to prison under false allegations. There's real estate deals and money missing and and McCarrick. All these things are going on. It is a disaster. And it's a disaster because there's men who believe the error of Martin Luther. Well, I believe in Jesus. I wear a Roman collar. I call myself father. I call myself reverend and I have a fundamental option for Jesus, for God. And so I'm good. I can go to bathhouses or houses of ill repute. I can be lax on my prayers and it doesn't matter because ultimately I love God. I'm going to go to heaven. Mm-mm. No. All right. Let's pray the... Hail Mary in Latin, Oremus, Nomini Patris, et fidei, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus Tecum, benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pranobis peccatoribus, nunca d'etora mortis nostre, Amen. Gloria Patri, et Fidei, et Spiritui Sancto, Sicutera in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula, saeculorum, Amen. Heavenly Father in heaven, we pray for the church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We ask that you would heal her. We pray especially for his eminence, Cardinal Burke, that you would heal him. We pray that he would be restored and that he would be a great reformer in the church. We pray for all of your good hierarchs, your good bishops, your priests, seminarians, lay people, Mothers, fathers, religious, nuns, friars. Strengthen them. Give us all hope and give us all the joy of our salvation. Pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our right, life Guadalupe. Pray for us. Nomini Patris et Fidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends. Thanks for watching. If you like this, make sure you give the like and subscribe. Hit the thumbs up. How are we doing on thumbs up? 23 down. 23 people hated this video and said, I'm going to give that the thumbs down. All right. God bless you all. 23 thumb downer people. And then uh, if you're not one of the thumb downers, be a thumb up or give it a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. You got to subscribe this week. We hit 350,000 subscribers to this podcast just on YouTube. There are hundreds of thousands that listen on Spotify, who listen on iTunes, that listen on Stitcher. All different other formats. So, but just to get to that mark of 350000 on YouTube is pretty awesome. So, thanks to everybody who does subscribe here on YouTube. I am very, very grateful. To show my thanks, I am giving away those two beautiful rosaries from Seraphim Rosaries. Uh, These rosaries are absolutely gorgeous. I was going to give them away, you remember, on August 15th. However, there was a problem with the uh, tracking and the shipping and they arrived late. So I'm bumping this back and giving them away on the Marian Day of September 8th, the nativity, the birthday of Our Lady. Here are the rosaries. I'm doing one for men and one for women. Um, When I unboxed these, I couldn't believe how beautiful the white one was. I'm not a white rosary guy. I don't even think I've ever prayed a rosary on a white rosary. I don't like white Bibles. I like black Bibles and darker rosaries, but the white one, it's like pearls. It's absolutely gorgeous. These are, these rosaries are several hundred dollars. These are the kind you give at a wedding. My wife occasionally says, Hey, so-and-so's getting married or having a baby. Can we give them a seraphim rosary? I'm like, okay, let's give them a seraphim rosary. These are absolutely gorgeous. So I'm going to give these away. Anyone who was a student at my new St. Thomas Institute, And anyone who is a patron at patreon.com forward slash DRTaylorMarshall, you'll be in the running. One man, my daughters will pick one man. We'll do it live to get the black one with the turquoise. And we'll pick one woman to get the white one. It's absolutely gorgeous. Even the centerpiece right here is Our Lady of Fatima with the three children. Kneeling down before her. And there's medals attached along the way. And it's very substantial. It's heavy gorgeous so if you want to be in the drawing september 8th go to patreon.com forward slash taylor you can also get the signed books including the signed book that i mentioned earlier which is catholic perspective on paul especially if you're from a protestant background or you know someone who is protestant and you want them to understand catholicism this book uh, has helped a lot of people move from Protestantism into catholicism the catholic perspective on paul Signed copies available at patreon.com forward slash dr Taylor Marshall. All right, enough grift and enough of all that. Um, concluding remark, follow tradition. Catholicism does not change. The faith of the 12 apostles, the dogmas of the 12 apostles, are the same 100% faith and dogmas of today in the Catholic Church. The morality is 100% the same. There are clarifications over time, like what is the nature of the Trinity, Um, how are the two natures of Christ united, but everything taught in these dogmatic declarations are identical to what the apostles taught and understood. So you need to be deep in Scripture, and you need to be deep in tradition. I recommend you read every single day the Dewey Rheims Bible. Here's the really pretty version that we use. And... To get started on your basic theology? Catechism of the Council of Trent. Which, according to Bishop Barron and Pope Francis, somehow is the same as Martin Luther or exists side by side with Luther, but it's just not the case. It's not true. Read this book. It won't take you long. Your theological understanding will jump. And of course, the most important thing you can do Because the early christians didn't have these books is pray you got to pray every single day if you're in mortal sin you need to go to confession you need to attend the traditional latin mass or the divine liturgy of saint john chrysostom traditional liturgy especially if you have children do not allow your children to see liturgical abuse do not allow your children to see hosts dropped on the ground do not allow your children to see the kind of liturgical abuses that go on in some of these churches. It will murder their faith. Do not find a traditional Paris, traditional priests, traditional Latin mass. All right. And remember, oh, pray the rosary every day, or you're not on the team. Pray the rosary. It is... The easiest, the quickest way to pray for 20 minutes in one day. I just released, by the way, you may have noticed, a 14 part online course. It's free. 14 part online course here on YouTube at Dr. Taylor Marshall Podcast. Another reason why you should subscribe. It tells you why we should pray the rosary. Is the rosary too focused on Mary? Is it not focused on Jesus enough? It tells you how to actually use every single bead. Gives you advice on how to stay on track mentally how to think about the meditations the mysteries it gives you every single prayer in latin if you want to learn in latin and then it culminates with the joyful mysteries the sorrowful mysteries and the glorious mysteries three separate videos of me praying the entire thing and announcing the mysteries in latin if you want to get yourself accustomed habituated to praying in latin those three videos there so it's a 14-part series it took me a whole week to write it, to film it, to edit it and upload it. Um, There's a playlist here on YouTube, Dr. Taylor Marshall YouTube channel. So uh, please check that out. Pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty and be joyful.